if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning. Thanks for being with us. We are underway now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, these, or excuse me, this Tuesday, the 16th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2021. Anybody else wake up today thinking it was Monday because of the President's Day off yesterday? Uh, that's what I just did. Uh, thanks for being with us. I had to wake up very early today to give some people a hand because. All across this country, this massive weather anomaly is affecting millions. Power is out to millions of people. This is kind of crazy. Uh, all across, monster storm in the uh, deep southwest, all through Texas, New Mexico, uh, places that normally don't see snow ever, much less freezing rain and single-digit uh, temperatures. They're all dealing with it. And, of course, down there, they don't have, you know, the infrastructure for that type of weather. They don't have just tons and tons and tons of road salt ready to salt icy highways because they don't have icy highways. They don't have houses and buildings that are built with uh, the type of insulation against winter weather that we have up here. Uh, so it's a really, really difficult thing that a lot of people are dealing with. And some of our folks are dealing with it here, even though we're used to winter conditions. We're kind of on a skeleton crew today. Dr. Phil, our friend, is uh, is running the show for us today from uh, over on the FM side. Uh, uh, Marcy is here. We got people spun out on the highway safe, I hope, um, because it's just tough. It's just a tough uh, winter storm. The good news is it seems like it's going to blow out almost as fast as it arrived. But um, if you don't have to go anywhere today, stay put. Uh, you know, the roads, uh, I know they're out there working their tails off, and we do have the tons of salt, and we do have the trucks and the plows, but if you uh, are off school today, enjoy it. If your building at work is closed today because of the weather emergency, uh, enjoy the time and just settle in and relax. And I appreciate you turning us on to start your day. Coming up on the program today, in less than a half an hour now, we're going to be talking with one of the U.S. Senate candidates to replace outgoing Senator Rob Portman. Rob Portman cannot leave fast enough for me. His continued disregard for the facts of the January 6th riot at Capitol Hill, his commentary after voting to acquit President Trump is just so troubling. 
I've long had a problem with Rob Portman's decision-making. I've long had a problem with his arguments, the merit behind the decisions he makes. And uh, I was glad to hear that he said he was going to leave, or at least not run for re-election. The question is, is why wait? Why not just go now and let Mike DeWine make an appointment, although that might not be the best decision either, given Mike DeWine's history of decision-making. But at any rate, Rob Portman is gone, and of course you know some of the names that are already in. One of them is Josh Mandel. He has made an announcement. He is running for Rob Portman's seat. He knows he's going to be up against Jane Timken and perhaps some other people. There may be as many as four or five viable candidates for the Republican Party as far as a nominee for that uh, Senate seat. And uh, Josh Mandel, whom I haven't spoken with in a couple of years since his last campaign, which was aborted, uh, but Josh Mandel will be with us at 9.35 to talk about uh, wanting to be in the United States Senate and uh, perhaps why he has decided to make a return to politics after getting out. Uh, so that's coming up at 9.35. Then at 10.10, since it is Tuesday, you know the deal. It is Kersenow Day. Peter Kersenow will be joining us to talk about a whole host of issues, including the impeachment, the uh, uh, acquittal of President Trump, and, yes, some of the unbelievable things that were said about the president after the fact, including by the former Senate Majority Leader, now the Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell. So we're going to talk to Pete about that and a host of other things. Uh, obviously, we welcome your calls at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those is just fine. Don't forget, if you are not able to get on the air during the show and you've got a message for the program, we will play messages, select messages, not all of them, obviously. But we will play messages left for the Bob France Authority on our message line, which is 216-525-1806. That can be it. 24 hours a day, you leave the message, and if we like it enough, we'll play it, and we'll address it and talk about whatever it is um, that, uh, that you wanted to say. Now, I'm going to start with the obvious. On Friday, President Trump's legal team did a remarkable job of exposing the hypocrisy of the liberal Democrats who tried to have him quote-unquote removed from office after he had already left office. That's what the impeachment trial was all about. But also to stop him from running for election any other time. They're terrified of him, and I think that's been very well known. But this impeachment trial um, ended with the exposing of... Well, let me back up again. On Friday, it, um, it turned to the Trump impeachment defense team... It was their time to expose the hypocrisy of the liberal Democrats, and they did a phenomenal job with repeatedly playing clips, just like I do on this program. I felt kind of like, you know, hey, they they get it. They're following the lead that I and several others do. Um, You know, they accuse President Trump of inciting insurrection by saying you've got to fight for your country or there won't be a country to fight for. So they played nine minutes consecutive minutes of Democrats saying, fight, I'm going to fight for your country. I'm going to fight like hell. We're going to fight, 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 fight. Um, And if President Trump can be impeached for telling people to fight, then so should all of these people. I mean, it was really wonderful. They did more than that, too. They exposed the Democrats for being the cheats that they are, manipulating, doctoring evidence presented in this impeachment trial including tweets by non-verified users and literally photoshopping in little blue check marks to make them look like verified users that the president retweeted. 
Um, they told the lie. I did not realize this because I told you I was not going to spend a ton of time on the impeachment last week, and I did not. I spent zero time watching it live. I wouldn't do it. I wanted to see the highlights later, and that's what I did. So I did not know that they, for some reason, brought up the Charlottesville lie. You remember the Charlottesville lie. The accusation that Donald Trump called neo-Nazis and white supremacists, quote, very fine people. Um, I've played the real audio for you a billion times on this show, but they did it on the floor of the Senate during this impeachment trial now because the Democrats brought that up again and did what they always do. They selectively edited the line of Donald Trump saying there were very fine people on both sides, and then they clipped it. The Trump defense team let it continue. And then you heard him say, not the neo-Nazis. I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists and racists. They should be condemned totally. But there were very fine other people there who were not part of those groups. I've done this for you. I'm not going to play it again. But I promise you, people who watch MSNBC religiously, CNN religiously, the mainstream networks religiously, they have never heard the real truth. They have been told for three years about the Charlottesville lie. Since 2017, 2018, they have been told about the Charlottesville lie that Trump said that neo-Nazis were very fine people. They never, ever heard, because they don't go to whkradio.com, or they probably don't go to Breitbart. They probably don't go to Zero Hedge. They probably don't go to Town Hall, Hot Air, or any of the other conservative websites that tell the truth. So for the first time, people got to hear that Trump never said that. And for the first time, they got to hear Trump saying they should be condemned totally. So it was a great day on Friday. The Democrats were humiliated. The Democrats were embarrassed. Uh, they lost the case based on not just the constitutionality of trying to remove a president who is no longer president, but they lost on the merits as well. So they rested after just three hours, as expected. I told them they really only needed 66 seconds, but they did a great job of hammering the point home. So they did such a great job. They rested the case after three hours. Then they had closing arguments. And then Saturday, we were just supposed to have the vote, which was clearly going to acquit President Trump. But then Saturday morning, if you woke up and saw this, you were as shocked as I was. Late in the morning on Saturday... The news reports came in that they were not going to have a vote. They voted, the Senate did, to call witnesses because the Democrats didn't have their pound of flesh yet. So they wanted to call a couple of witnesses to testify about private conversations Donald Trump had regarding the January 6th riots. And so they thought, this will really get them. But once again, the Trump legal team was spectacular because they said okay great we get to call witnesses you give me your list here's ours their list of witnesses was 100 plus long and the trump witness list the top two names on it nancy pelosi and kamala harris they were going to have to testify in this impeachment trial if witnesses were allowed to be called and or subpoenaed. And that is exactly the way it should have been. 
The Democrats saw that and said, what? They're going to make Nancy Pelosi answer questions? Um, We rescind our request for witnesses. We're good. Let's just vote. And vote they did. Seven, disgusting, reprehensible Republican senators joined the 50 Democrats in the Senate and voted to convict. Fortunately for the president and for our republic, they needed 17. So they came up 10 short. I will talk about the seven turncoat traitors, all of whom are being censured in their own states, the same way that Anthony Gonzalez should be censured here in the state of Ohio for being one of the 10 House members to impeach and send this ridiculous thing to the show trial in the Senate in the first place. But seven Republicans joined them, not nearly enough. End result, Donald Trump, the undisputed, back-to-back impeachment champion. That's right. The only man in history to win not one but two impeachment trials against him. And I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek for obvious reasons. Because literally, this, this is impossible, impossible that they would have started to try to impeach Donald Trump before he took office and continued trying to impeach him after he left office. And indeed, two different times, they got the House, Democrat-controlled House, to vote for impeachment, sending it to a trial. And President Trump completely untouched. That's right. Donald Trump, the undefeated, undisputed, two-time defending, heavyweight impeachment champion. President Trump deserves all of the credit in the world for surviving the worst attack on a president in the history of the United States of America. And it literally has been exactly that. All right, so um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about where it goes from here. We're going to talk about Pelosi calling for. She's not done. Did I mention the pound of flesh? Then it's the 9-11 style independent commission that she is going to uh, impanel to investigate the riots and everything that led up to uh, the riots on January 6th and the impeachment article that was introduced against the president. I've got thoughts on that, and I welcome yours, too. Once again, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. This is The Authority on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, 925 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. So I want to get to Nancy Pelosi. First of all, congratulations again to the two-time impeachment champion, undefeated President Trump. He's fought off all comers and all attackers. By the way, another side story here. Uh, Just real quick before I get to the uh, 9-11 style commission that they're talking about. A bombshell email has been discovered. Um, This was reported by Just the News yesterday. They found an email dated January 12th, 2017. That's eight days before President Trump was inaugurated. And it was obviously before the um, collusion uh, hoax began. Well, let me rephrase. The hoax began a long time ago. Before the appointment of Robert Mueller to be the investigator, the special uh, uh, investigator of the uh, collusion accusations against the president's team. But on January 12th, eight days before the president was inaugurated, then-FBI Director James Comey 
emailed then-Director of National Intelligence James Clapper and said that the FBI was, quote, not able to sufficiently corroborate the reporting, end quote, in the now infamous Steele dossier. What does that mean? It means that they knew that all of the information that they were basing all of their investigation and their spying on Team Trump, it was fraudulent. It was bogus. They had no legitimate information to use. That email acknowledging that they had no basis for what they were doing was again sent eight days before the inauguration. And yet they spent two and a half years of President Trump's term investigating him. Sending Bob Mueller on this wild goose chase, goose hunt, uh, to try to chase down pr- proof of collusion between Trump and Vladimir Putin. That email was the, sent the same day that Comey signed the FISA surveillance warrant that declared the Steele reporting as verified. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Not only did the Justice Department set up the president on a bogus Russia witch hunt, they did it with bad information that they knew was bad when they did it. Eight days before the president was inaugurated, Comey signed the FISA surveillance warrant and sent an email to James Clapper saying, that steel dossier that we're using as the basis of the warrant is trash. <laughs> so they knew they were, they were, they've been trying to illegally take this man down since literally before he was elected, or um, uh, inaugurated, rather. So now, having said that, let's get to what happened on Friday and then Saturday when they voted to acquit the president. Almost immediately, Nancy Pelosi, livid, livid, that more Republicans didn't turn against not only the president but the presidency to vote to convict uh, in this ridiculous, unconstitutional farce. Nancy Pelosi immediately called and demanded a 9-11-style commission to investigate the riot that led to the impeachment and the trial. Pelosi said yesterday that retired Lieutenant General Russell Honori, a former commander of the United States First Army who coordinated the military's relief response to Hurricane Katrina in 2005, had been leading a security review of the Capitol over the last few weeks just to see what happened in early January and how to prevent it in the future. Quote, It is clear from his findings and from the impeachment trial that we must get to the truth of how this happened. To protect our security, our security, our security, she said it three times, our next step is to be able to establish an outside independent 9-11 style commission. Pelosi said in a Dear Colleague letter to Democrats, adding that the goal of the commission would be to investigate and report on the facts and causes related to the January 6, 2021 domestic terrorist attack on the United States Capitol complex, including facts and causes relating to the preparedness and response of the U.S. Capitol Police and other federal, state, and local law enforcement and the national capital region. So I'll stop there because I've got to get to news. But the bottom line is, She wants a 9-11-style commission to be independent, (coughs) wink, wink, because they, Democrats, run run the Congress, will indeed appoint somebody who is going to be trying to prove their story, their narrative, the same way they did with the Russia hoax, the same way when they appointed Bob Mueller. But they want a 9-11 commission to try to, a 9-11-style commission, to try to look into what led to the attack so that they can continue to further blame, A, Donald Trump, but B, and most importantly, Donald Trump 
voters to shame and blame all of them. Meanwhile, Congressman Jim Jordan, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, and others are going right back at Pelosi and saying, okay, you want a commission? Great. Let's start with you. We have 13 security questions that we would like you to answer. Maybe we'll have the independent commission director or the independent investigator be the ones to pose them. Let's put your money where your mouth is. What are those 13 security questions? I've got them, and I'll share them, but not after the news. Because after the news, we're going to talk with Josh Mandel, newly announced Senate candidate. That'll be coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. I guess we're talking about the snow, right? Free falling all over the last, what, 12 hours or so. A lot of it. How many inches you get where you are? Out in Lorraine County, my home, we had, well, they were calling for out there between 8 to 12. I don't think it got to 12. We'll see what the total was. I would say we got the 8, though, at the least. Maybe 10. I don't know. Uh, but it's winter in Northeast Ohio. It is what it is. A lot of schools are closed today. A lot of buildings are closed today. Government buildings and others. Plus, President's Day yesterday. So, for many, it's a four-day weekend, which is pretty doggone nice. All right. Appreciate you being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Want to get back to business now and talk to politi- or talk about politics. Hard to believe we just finished the 2020 election, of course, it started on November 3rd and really didn't end until uh, Inauguration Day uh, of Joe Biden for a lot of people in terms of the presidential election. But uh, the 2020 election is now in the rearview mirror, and 2022 is already being fought, kind of, sort of. Rob Portman announced he no longer wants to be a United States senator from Ohio, or at least he doesn't want to run for re-election. And so that has opened the floodgates. A number of names are expected to announce their candidacy. Among them, former Senate candidate and former Ohio Treasurer Josh Mandel. He ran for that office twice. So is Rob Portman, as Rob Portman rather, uh, gets ready to exit stage left. And I say that intentionally, stage left. Would Josh Mandel be the guy to fill the void? He joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Josh, good to have you back on our program. How are you? Hey, Bob. Always good to be on. It's been a long time since we spoke. As a matter of fact, obviously, it was your you know second run at the um, uh, at the Senate that you uh, you stopped. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about your history in a moment. But I think that was the last time we talked to you. Is right before that ended in 2018. So uh, we got a lot to catch up on here. A lot of things have happened at the national level, the federal level in our government that you are certainly going to want to speak on. But uh, tell us what you've been doing for these last couple of years, Josh, since um, you uh, ran against Sherrod Brown. For those who do not know, you ran against uh, Sherrod Brown back in 2012. You uh, took another bite at it in 2018 before you stopped before the election actually happened you uh, abandoned your campaign so what have you been doing for the last couple of years been trying to help president trump get uh, reelected here in ohio i was uh, part of the trump 500 which is a small group of uh, trump supporters around the country that that raised over 500,000 for the president's reelection um, i was involved with uh, some like public ads for president trump here in ohio you know when he was uh, getting attacked for some military related news you know i was involved with uh, uh signing a letter and uh, organizing veterans to uh support president trump as you know bob i'm a marine corps vet did a couple tours in iraq and uh, you know i think president trump was great for the marines great for soldiers sailors airmen coast guard and the troops in general and you know he understands head on what we all get and what we've seen up close and personal. 
that radical Islam is an infection and, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, we don't want spreading throughout the United States. And so, yeah, I was proud to uh, do everything I can to help President Trump win Ohio here in the 2020. And, uh, you know, in 2016, as you know, I was the first statewide official in Ohio to, to be behind him and stuck with him uh, while a lot of uh, squishy Republicans were jumping ship. So I, I'm going, Bob, to Washington to advance the Trump agenda. Uh, I'm not going there to make friends. I'm definitely not going there to get invited to the cocktail parties. I'm actually going there to blow up the cocktail party Josh circuit. Mandel, um, I'm sorry, Josh, you had a cut out there, so I thought you were done talking. My apologies. So let me just use this then to say, um, how wise is it for, you know, now don't get me wrong, I support the president's agenda a thousand percent. I am America first. I am make America great again. I am lower taxes. I am stronger military. I am the border wall. I am uh, reforming uh, immigration uh, law in this country to stop it from being an open door. I am for all of the things you're talking about. But as you know and have seen, maybe these are the squishies that you're talking about, a lot of Trump supporters are now running for the exit. Nikki Haley among them late last week said, we should not have followed him. It was the wrong decision. We shouldn't have followed him. We shouldn't have listened to him. It was a mistake. Uh, basically glad he's gone. She's doing that for self-preservation because the name Trump, especially after the second ridiculous impeachment, has become toxic. Do you think you can run on a pro-Trump platform and actually win this uh win this senate campaign absolutely i I am running on a pro-trump america first platform i think his policies were fantastic for ohio and for america um and if you know up until covid if you look at how the economy economy was doing here in ohio and nationally i mean it was booming he was setting records and you know what's an interesting thing bob the the democrats and the radical liberals um, you know, they purport to, uh, you know, represent minorities. But in fact, if you look at President Trump's statistics, it was across the board that people were doing doing better, whether you're, you know, white, yeah. black, Hispanic, Republican, Democrat, libertarian, vegetarian, like everyone was doing better uh, under under President Trump. And, uh, you know, listen, I, I think after the dust settles and there's investigations and the, and there's some history, I think we'll see that the the virus that came out of Wuhan, China, um, was manufactured by the Chinese intentionally. The Chinese Communist Party, um, they see Donald Trump as their no- number one nemesis because he was the first president to uh, call China out for what they are. They're economic cheaters. And they're cheating Ohioans out of jobs. And, and, and the way that President Trump stood up to the economic cheating coming out of China totally changed the way that politicians look and speak about China and hopefully in the future how they'll vote. And, you know, what he did was he gave uh, guts and backbone to a lot of politicians who before this were just like total fish. We are talking to Josh Mandel. He is the former Ohio treasurer. As he mentioned, he's a Marine, served a couple of tours in Iraq, tried to become a senator, lost to Sherrod Brown in 2012, uh, abandoned the campaign in 2018, now announcing he is going to run for Rob Portman's seat, which is going to be vacated when he uh, does not run for re-election in two years. Josh, since you're talking so much about the president, 
Uh, I'm going to ask you about Anthony Gonzalez. You have called for Congressman Gonzalez to be removed from Congress. He, of course, is sitting in Ohio 16th. Um, the day after, he voted, along with nine other Republicans, to join the Democrat impeachment party. Um, he came on the air with me, and I asked him a series of pointed questions. Specifically, what were President Trump's impeachable words? What were President Trump's impeachable actions? He could point to none, quite literally none. Um, since that time, that he has been repudiated by a number of conservative organizations, Republican clubs, counties, and so forth. You want him removed from office for his vote for Josh Man- or for uh, excuse me uh, for impeachment of President Trump. Now, Josh Mandel, another potential Republican Senate candidate, the former uh, ORP chair Jane Timken had a different take on this. Um, She said that Congressman Gonzalez is a very effective legislator and that she thought he had a very rational reason why he voted to impeach Donald Trump. Can you draw a little bit of a distinction between you two and why you feel the way you do and why you think she does the way she does? I fundamentally and strongly disagree with her. Um, The fact that she's defending Anthony Gonzalez for voting to impeach President Trump is shameful. Uh, I I read that article you're referencing, and I think in that article she said that she was asked how, you know, what she thought about Gonzalez, and she said she didn't know how she would vote on the impeachment of Donald Trump. And it's it's shameful for any Republican out there, fake Republicans, we should really call them, to say they don't know how they would vote on impeaching President Trump. Listen. I would be strongly, 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 as a United States senator, against the impeachment of Trump. Um, It's outrageous that you have folks like Gonzalez who voted for it. President Trump very clearly said, march peacefully. Every American citizen knows what the word peacefully means. And obviously, there's a very strong distinction between me and the former state party chairman. And I just... Listen, I hope she has the guts to come on your show and explain to you, you know, why she was defending Anthony Gonzalez's vote for impeachment, why she said she didn't know how she would vote on impeachment, and what she thinks the rational reasons were that Anthony had to, to vote for it. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, Bob, um, you haven't heard of him yet. Let, let, me, let me jump in they, there, Josh, if I may, because yeah, here's what yeah. I would really like to know from her and why I am not backing her in any way. Uh, and if this costs me an interview with her, then I, I guess I have to take that, but I am not backing her because <clears throat> in addition to her unqualified support of Mike DeWine and all of his disastrous policies in response to COVID-19 and all of the businesses that have been the suffering and all of the individual rights that have been taken away, et cetera, she refused to do anything to condemn Anthony Gonzalez's remarks. Not only did she say that he had a rational reason and she didn't know how she would have voted had she been in Congress, um, she, she hasn't moved, and I know she has now stepped down from the ORP, but she never moved to censure him. I'm looking at, at, at right now, if you go to a search engine, not Google, if you go to a search engine and type in censured, here's what you're going to find. Richard Burr censured by North Carolina GOP for voting to convict Trump. Pat Toomey censured by Pennsylvania for voting to convict Trump. Um, What's the other one? Uh, Cassidy, censured by Louisiana Republicans for voting to convict Trump. Republican parties in states all across this country are voting to censure their turncoat 
um, members of the Congress for this ridiculous, unconstitutional, and lack of due process um, uh, appointed trial of the president. And Jane Timken did nothing of the sort when Gonzalez did this, and that bothers me a lot. How, how much of an impact does that does that have for you? It bothers me a ton, and I think it's under the skin of uh, Trump activists and conservatives across the the state, and, and frankly, the country. I mean, the whole the whole country looks at Ohio as a leader, and when they saw that the you know Republican Party chairman of Ohio refused to censure Anthony Gonzalez for his vote on impeachment, um, the, it, it's it's embarrassing. It's, as an as an Ohio Republican, it's embarrassing that the state party wouldn't censure him. I applaud the Cuyahoga County party for censuring Anthony Gonzalez. And uh, I just, it baffles me that, you know, when she was party chairman, she refused to, to censure Gonzalez. And, and really, Bob, she defended him. I mean, if you read that article in the, in the plain dealer, she was defending him calling. Yeah. I mean, calling his, his, his vote to impeach the president. She called it rational. Um, She called him an effective legislator. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's dumbfounding. And it, it, it bothers me that somebody like that who led the Ohio Republican Party uh, would want to go into the Congress, into the Senate, rather, as a quote-unquote Republican. I have no earthly idea what good she would do for the people of Ohio if this is the way she responds to a situation like that. Now, having said that, I, I want to get away from her for a moment and get back to a couple of things with you. Um, when you, you know, run in 2022, if you are successful, presumably COVID is going to be over. I would hope anyway that no more masks would be mandated and no more lockdowns and limitations, et cetera. But let's just say you were in the Senate right now. What would be your stance on the way Ohio has responded to the, uh, pandemic, uh, the, the rights of the people and how they've been impacted by that? And of course, Joe Biden at the federal level, um, the way he is uh, running his response to that. How do you feel about it? I fundamentally and strongly disagree with what Governor DeWine and Amy Acton did to shut down the family-owned small businesses and restaurants and schools here. And listen, you know, I'm politically incorrect. Um, I, I don't I'll take on squishy Republicans just as soon as I'll take on liberal Democrats. And the reality here is DeWine was dead wrong. Amy Acton was dead wrong. And, and, and you know what really gets under my skin, Bob, is that they let Walmart stay open. They let Target stay open. They let Costco stay open. But then they shut down mom and pops. You know, they shut down the family-owned small businesses. They shut down the family-owned restaurants. And they shut down the schools. And this thing with the schools, Bob, I mean, it, 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 it's got my blood boiling. I mean, the fact that every kid isn't back in school is insane. And listen, we need to take a step back and, and, and actually think about this in terms of core values, as constitutional conservatives, our core values are individual liberty, personal freedoms. And what DeWine and Amy, Dac- Amy Acton and all these mini Fauci's around the country did was trample on our individual liberties and trample on our personal freedoms. Because what they said was they said, hey, to all the moms and dads out there, we're not going to let you make decisions on best what's best for your kids. We're going to actually empower the politicians and the bureaucrats and the teachers unions instead of the moms and dads. That's crazy. It should be moms and dads making decisions on what's best for their kids. And when a mom and dad feels it's best to put their kid back in school, 
let them put the kid back in school. Like, don't let the politicians make the decisions. Don't let the bureaucrats, don't let the unions, let the moms and dads. And so we, we need to think of, you know, when we think of public policy, we need to think of it in terms of the Constitution, in terms of individual liberty, in terms of personal freedoms. And, uh, you know, that's how I view this issue. And, that, and that's why DeWine and Acton were so dead wrong. And I, I know Amy Acton is thinking about running for the Senate. Bob, <laughs> I, I would cherish I would cherish the opportunity to run against her in the general election. Yeah, you know, she quit three different jobs because she couldn't handle the pressure and couldn't handle the criticism. Now she wants to actually be a senator. Are you kidding? Uh, look, we didn't even get to immigration or taxes or any of the other things or systemic racism accusations and cancel culture in America because this is just the first conversation of probably many to come. But, Josh Mandel, I do appreciate, appreciate you coming in just a couple of days after your announcement, and I wish you well, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. All right, that's Josh Mandel, wants to be the Republican nominee for Rob Portman's seat when it is up for re-election uh, in, uh, in two years. I know there are others. Jane Temkin is going to be one of them. And I know others who are going to make announcements very, very soon, and we're going to be talking to some of them as well uh, as we go forward on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll be right back. Okay, it's 9.57. Thanks again for being with us on AM1420, The Answer. Josh Mandel is a familiar voice and a familiar face and a familiar name. Again, he ran uh, against Sherrod Brown in 2012 after he was the Ohio uh, treasurer. And uh, he did not win. He lost by, I want to say, six points uh, from 51 to 45 uh, to Brown. Then he went for another bite at it in 2018. And he stopped his campaign at that time for personal reasons. He said basically to spend more time with his family and his wife for health concerns. So uh, you know him, and he's, uh, he's, he's very well known. He's a proven winner, at least at the uh, you know, state level, because he was elected treasurer. And uh, so he's got a lot of conservative bona fides, if you will. But the question is, is he the right guy to lead this um, uh, or to, uh, to represent the state? Um, I don't know. I don't know, because I know of some other names, and I know some other strong candidates who are going to be a part of this. But I do like Josh Mandel's commitment to America first. I do like, I do like his belief in um, uh, you know, President Trump's messaging and pres- President Trump's uh, policies. Obviously, a lot of people don't like President Trump now because of the personality things and the abrasiveness, and of course, the, the part that goes with anybody who's trying to um, support President Trump runs the risk of being canceled in your personal life, in your business life, and yeah, maybe even in your political life. But Josh Mandel is being very outspoken in his pro-Trump messaging, so that is going to resonate with a lot of people. I do believe there is another Republican, a conservative Republican, who's going to announce candidacy this week. And I can promise you, if that happens, we will have that interview for you as well. And I'm very much looking forward to it. I also will indeed endeavor to have Jane Timken on the show. I have been very critical. If she has the courage to stand up for what she has done as uh, chairman of the ORP, um, she'll come on. If she has the courage to answer tough questions about what she would be like as a senator, she will come on. But I cannot predict or guarantee that she will come on. So I do want to talk to her if we get a chance. I certainly now have talked to Mandel, and I look forward to talking to other candidates for that very important spot uh, in the United States Senate. 
All right, we're going to take a time out here because it's time for the top of the hour and the news. On the other side, we're going to get into that impeachment story. We're going to get into uh, the rest of the most important news of the day. This country is in a very, very precarious place right now, and Peter Kirsten, I was going to try to make some sense of it for us. He'll join us next 